Today's episode of A New Beginning is brought to you by Harvest Partners, helping people everywhere know God. Learn more at harvest.org. And while you're there, browse our library of free ebooks designed to help you grow in your faith. What do people in heaven know about what's going on here on earth? People in heaven may know more about the time and place of events on earth than we realize. It's one of the most common questions people ask about eternity. Are our loved ones aware? Today, Pastor Greg Laurie provides answers. There's a direct connection between heaven and earth. We think heaven is so far away. Think of it more as another dimension. This is the day when the lost are Is there something of a heavenly grandstand where our departed loved ones can watch the events of our lives? Or are heaven's citizens sequestered, blissfully unaware of our struggles? It's an interesting question, and today Pastor Greg Laurie finds insight in God's Word. Glad you're along for a new beginning and our continuing series in Revelation. And later on, some details about a new book Pastor Greg has just released that takes these Revelation insights further. come to a new section in our series on the book of Revelation. And for the sake of an illustration, let me compare it to a film. Now, I don't know about how you guys go to a movie, but for Kathy and I, it always involves popcorn and milk duds. I'm not sure how that started, those two things, but that's what we get popcorn and milk duds. Now sometimes I'll say, Kathy, come on, the movie's starting and there's a long line at the concession stand. And she'll say, but I have to get the popcorn. And I'll say, but Kathy, you don't want to miss the beginning of the film. You find out who the main characters are. The plot lines are being established. And she always shows up about four minutes late. And then she's saying, who's that? Why do they do that? I'm going, that's why you have to be there in the beginning of the movie. So If the book of Revelation were a film, we would now know who the main characters are, both good and bad. The hero appears in chapter one. And of course, it's Jesus Christ. The good guys are in chapters two to three. That's the church. That's us. Now the villain and his bad guys come barreling in in chapter six as the four ominous horsemen of the apocalypse. And now the real action of the book is beginning to build. Uh, The music is swelling and, and we're sinking deeper into our seats. And I don't know about you coming back to theaters, but after I'd walk out of a theater, it was embarrassing to see how much popcorn I dropped on my seat and on the floor. I felt bad for the people cleaning it up. So Now this is the big moment as the story continues on. And now we see conflict. In fact, it looks at this moment in the book of Revelation as though the bad guys are winning. Because we see wickedness taking hold as Satan rides roughshod over planet Earth. The good guys are getting pummeled by the Antichrist. But, spoiler alert, Jesus Christ returns in the end and we win in the end. Just in case you didn't know, 
So Revelation chapters six to 19 are really the heart of the book. These chapters contain 21 judgments that will be unleashed on the world during the seven year tribulation period. We have three distinct series of judgments that will befall planet Earth uh, during this time known as the tribulation. Basically it's gonna be seven seals, seven trumpets, and seven bulls. Let me say that again. Seven seals, seven trumpets, and seven bulls. But let me say at the outset, God takes no pleasure in this. You know, sometimes people want to portray God as angry, you know, with a lightning bolt in his hand, so excited about bringing judgment on planet earth. Nothing could be further from the truth because the Lord says in scripture, I take no delight in the death of the wicked. There are positive aspects of the judgment of God, believe it or not. Number one, God's judgment frightens us. And that's not a bad thing. It's supposed to. And it'll make you think twice before you do that thing. And as you watch uh, God's judgment or the repercussions come into a person's life when they've done the wrong thing, it's a warning to you to not also do the wrong thing. Number two, God's judgment sobers us. It forces us to reassess the way we've been living our lives and sometimes it causes us to change our priorities. It's C.S. Lewis who said, pain is God's megaphone to reach a deaf world. The psalmist said, before I was afflicted I went astray but now I have kept your word. So God can use these things to get our attention. Another thing about the judgment of God, it humbles us. It strips away our self-righteousness and reminds us of how sinful we are, reminding us that we're not in control of our own lives. And it reminds us that we desperately need God in our life. And one last thing about the judgment of God, it reassures us. Say, no, Greg, you got that one wrong. No, it reassures us. It reassures us that there'll finally be justice in the world. Every day we get up in the morning and we read news sites about horrible, unthinkable events that take place, crimes that are committed, horrible, sinful things that are done, and we think that's not right. But we remind ourselves, one day there's a final court of justice. That's what we're seeing unfold here in the book of Revelation. But now we come to a group of courageous believers who are put to death. People that would not take the mark of the beast. People that would not pledge their allegiance to the Antichrist. In fact, maybe even people that you have shared the gospel with that will miss the rapture but come to faith later. We read about them in Revelation 6 starting in verse 9. And when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that had been slain for the word of God and for their testimony which they held. You might underline those two things that come back to them. They're slain for the word of God and the testimony they held. And they cried with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then a white robe was given to each of them, and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and of their brothers who would be killed as they were was completed. So we'll stop there. Who are these people that appear in heaven who've been put to death 
for their faith in Christ. These are people who have come to believe in Jesus during the tribulation period. Again, these are people who miss the rapture. These are people who refuse to take the mark of the beast. Why were they put to death? Two reasons are given. Look at Revelation 6, 9. They were slain for the word of God and for the testimony they held. Number one, they stood for the word of God. Number two, they had a powerful testimony. Let me ask you a question. Do you stand for the word of God? Do you speak up for what is true? Maybe people are saying things in a conversation that you know contradict what the Bible says. Do you have the courage to say, well, let me just offer my opinion and the Bible says. It's funny, man. You bring a Bible out and people freak out, don't they? Just the very presence of a Bible alarms some people. But you may quote it because you have one nearby or you may have memorized a verse and you share what the Bible says. And then also they were put to death because of their testimony. Listen, every Christian has a testimony. Now the question is, is it a good one or is it a poor one? A testimony is your story of how you came to faith in Jesus Christ. We read later in the book of Revelation of people that overcame the devil. And we'll get to this in a future message that I'm calling How to Overcome the Devil. But we read that they overcame the devil by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives until the death. And so they used the blood of the Lamb and their testimony. So your testimony your story of how you came to believe in Jesus is a powerful bridge to start a conversation about your faith. You might even be surprised to know that uh, when I'm sharing my faith with people, I don't start with a sermon. I don't cruise around with a little pulpit like this on wheels, you know, that I have in the market and I'll stop and preach a sermon. Now, I usually start with my own story of how I came to believe in Jesus as a young kid at the age of 17 and what really got through to me. So they have their testimony and they're persecuted. And if you stand for the word of God and if you're bold with your story of what Christ has done for you, you will face a degree of persecution. Uh, in fact, we're told in 2 Timothy 3.12, all who desire to live godly lives will suffer persecution. Pastor Greg Laurie will have the second half of his message in just a moment. We're encouraged when we hear that Pastor Greg's teaching and preaching is touching lives. Hey, Pastor Greg, my name is Mark from New York. Just calling, I was saved at your crusade in Madison Square Garden in the 2000s. And uh, if it wasn't for my mom pulling me to your crusade and me listening to your teachings, I wouldn't be here today probably. You saved my life. After that, I became a Christian. I found a church. I married my wife. We got baptized together. But things didn't always stay good, you know? And last year, I lost my daughter. And your teachings on that subject have really helped me through a really dark and difficult time. And now I have two beautiful sons. And uh, we're picking up where we left off. We're living this life. And I just thank you so much for uh, always giving a good word, always speaking through the Lord. I appreciate you. I thank you. We're grateful to hear of the changed lives through Pastor Greg's teaching. And be sure to tell a friend about Pastor Greg's upcoming SoCal Harvest October 3rd at Angel Stadium in Southern California. Help them find hope in Christ. For information, go to harvest.org. That's harvest.org. 
www.ctv.org. Well, you've joined us for a fascinating series in the book of Revelation. And we want to point out that Pastor Greg has just published a book, a commentary on the book of Revelation. We'll tell you more later or get details now at harvest.org. Now we come to the heart of this message. Remember, we're talking about what do people in heaven know about what's going on here on earth? Follow-up question, do they even care? Are people in heaven watching us right now? Are they looking down from glory and observing what we're facing and what we're going through? It seems like there's two trains of thoughts on this subject. Some would suggest that when you're in heaven, the last thing you would care about is what is happening on earth. And to the point, if you knew of something tragic or sad that had happened on earth, it would ruin heaven for you. The other train of thought is people in heaven are watching our every move. They sometimes even intervene in our lives. Sometimes they speak to us and they guide us. Okay, you might be surprised to hear me say both of these views are incorrect and both of these views are not biblical. So let me give you a biblical view of what people in heaven know about earth. Now, someone might be thinking, well, why why even talk about this? Who even cares? Well, you care if you have a loved one in heaven. Now, as you probably know, our son Christopher went to be with the Lord 13 years ago. He was only 33 years old. It was a life-altering event. I had a very close relationship with Christopher as I do with my son Jonathan. We talked every single day. And to suddenly have communication cut off and no longer be able to hear from them or talk to them or know what they're doing, it's like you've been cut off. And so there were two things I wanted to know about in the aftermath of my son's death. Number one, I wanted to know more about heaven. So I wouldn't say I'm an expert on heaven, But I would say I'm a student of heaven. And I would add this. I also wanted to know more about how I can bring hope when tragedy strikes. Because when you lose a loved one or when you find out that you're terminally ill or something huge happens to you, you wonder, how am I going to survive it? I wanted to know how I can bring hope to people like this because God brought hope to me in my hour of need. Because here's the bottom line. As you get older, you're gonna know more people that have gone on to heaven. You're gonna know more people who die. Some of you are thinking, yeah, thanks for that depressing thought preacher. Well, it's just reality. Someone's got to tell you, so I guess it's going to be me. Listen to this. Hate to break the news to you. Life is hard. It just is. But God is good. And God's going to give you what you need in life. So don't be afraid. He'll, he won't necessarily give you what you need before you need it. He'll never give it to you after you need it. He'll always give it to you when you need it. The Bible says he's a present help in time of trouble. So before we dig into this passage here in Revelation 6, let's think of some other passages that tell us a little bit about what heaven knows about earth. The first one that comes to mind is found in Luke 16. And here's the point I want to make. People in eternity are aware of the fact that their loved ones are not saved. People in eternity 
are aware of the fact that their loved ones are not saved. Going back to Luke 16. It's a behind the scenes look at the afterlife. Some think it's a parable. But a parable is an illustration. This is a real story because names are attached. And it's a story of two men. One was rich. One was poor. One had no interest in God. One believed in God. They both died. The rich man had a big funeral. It would have been on all the television stations. Everyone would have known about it. The poor man, nobody even cared about him. By the way, his name was Lazarus. And Lazarus lived from the food that fell from the rich man's table. So they both died and they entered into eternity. Lazarus, not the same Lazarus that Christ raised from the dead, by the way, but Lazarus in this story is immediately escorted by the angels into heaven, into what is called Abraham's bosom. The rich man, meanwhile, is sent down to Hades or a place of torment and he's literally in flames. He realizes how horrible this is and we read in 1628 him saying, I have five brothers and I want to warn them about this place of torment so they won't have to come here after they die. So this indicates a knowledge in heaven, in the afterlife, about what is happening on earth. And I bring this up because sometimes people say things like, well, you'll be oblivious of what is happening on earth and, and you won't remember anything about what happened on earth. What are you talking about? This guy is aware of the fact that he has brothers that are alive on earth still and he doesn't want him to end up in this horrible place of judgment that he finds himself in. So when you get to heaven, you don't know less, you know more, right? Because the Bible says that in that day we will know as we are known. First Corinthians thirteen twelve. We will know as we are known. By the way, that word means to come to know. This indicates that there is still a process of learning in heaven and in the new earth. It's not like you die and go to heaven and all of a sudden you know everything. You know as much as God knows. No, that's not true. Only God is omniscient, all-knowing. I will keep learning and growing in heaven. In fact, Ephesians 2, 6 says, God has raised us up with Christ and seated us in the heavenly realm so in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. And that word show means to reveal. So this phrase coming ages indicates there's a progressive ongoing revelation in which we learn in heaven more and more about the grace of God. Isn't that going to be exciting? Here's another point. Number two. When people believe in Jesus on earth, it's public knowledge in heaven. When people believe in Jesus on earth, it's public knowledge in heaven. In Luke 15, Jesus told three stories of people who lost something. There was a woman who lost a coin. There was a father who lost a son. And there was a shepherd who lost a sheep. And in the case of this shepherd, he went searching until he found that stray sheep and brought it back, wrapped around his neck, rejoicing. And then this point is brought there in Luke 15. Jesus says, in the same way, there'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people. So know this, when you're engaged in evangelism, this is pleasing the heart of God, and when a person believes in Jesus on earth, there is joy in heaven. 
But notice it says that there's joy in the presence of the angels of God. Sometimes we'll say, when an unbeliever comes to Christ, the angels rejoice. Well, that's kind of true. But it's not exactly what it says. It says there's joy in the presence of God. Could that verse actually be suggesting that the great joy is not among the angels alone, but it's among us? In other words, is it possible that in heaven I would be aware that my life or testimony or witness had some impact on someone who would just believe. In other words, I'm in heaven and I know someone that I shared the gospel with just came to faith. Maybe it's my son or my granddaughter or maybe a relative even beyond that or or someone else. But there's a direct connection between heaven and earth. We think heaven is so far away. Think of it more as another dimension that you enter into when you go into the afterlife. So go back to Revelation chapter 6, verse 10 and 11. We have the martyrs crying out, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those that dwell on the earth. Bringing me to my next point. People in heaven may know more about the time and place of events on earth than we realize. Again, people in heaven may know more about the time and place of events on earth than we realized. Who are these people? They're mere mortals. They're people like you and me. They've been put to death for their faith. But they're aware of things. For starters, they're aware that they were killed for following Christ. And they know that was an injustice. So they're the same people in heaven that they were on earth. There's a direct continuity. The martyrs are fully conscious, rational, and aware of each other. Aware of God and aware of what is happening on earth. Also note they're aware of the passing of time on earth. They see in verse 10, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood. And then in verse 11, it said to them that they should rest a little while longer. Now I bring this up because sometimes people say, In heaven we're not aware of the passing of time. Why would you say that? These folks who were put to death for their faith are fully aware of the passing of time. Also, I would add, there's a direct connection between these believers in heaven and those that are still on the earth. They refer to their fellow servants and their brothers. Again, this is connected to these people in particular, but if it's true of them, could it not be true of us? So my point is simply this. Heaven knows more about earth than you realize. Some revealing insights today about heaven from Pastor Greg Laurie's study series in the book of Revelation. Today's message focuses on that very subject, what heaven knows about earth. And there's more insight to come. But listen, if you missed any of the insight Pastor Greg brought us today from Revelation 6, you can get a replay of the presentation online at harvest.org. You know, the book of Revelation is a rewarding study of Bible prophecy. And in our current series, and in a new book from Pastor Greg, we're seeing the full picture of its authorship, the time in which it was written, and the circumstances in which our redemption takes place. The Apostle John wrote the book of Revelation. John was one of the apostles that walked with Jesus Christ. In fact, 
In his gospel, he described himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. He outlived all the other disciples, and they tried to put him to death, according to church tradition, in a pot of boiling oil. But John would not die. So instead, they banished him to the distant island of Patmos, an isolated little island out in the middle of nowhere. He was put on a ship, probably in chains. And when he was placed on that island, no one ever thought that they would hear from John again. Maybe even John felt abandoned by God. I don't know. But I know this much. Jesus Christ came to the Apostle John on the island of Patmos. And the Lord took John into the future, sort of catapulted him into the next dimension. And he saw things that no man had ever seen before. John had a front row seat to the beginning of the tribulation period. He tells us about the Antichrist, the mark of the beast, the battle of Armageddon, and the second coming of Jesus Christ. He also tells us about the millennial reign of Jesus, where the lamb and the lion will lie together. And John tells us about that momentous event when heaven and earth all come together again. And he wrote these words down in a book that is simply called Revelation. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. Revelation means unveiling. So this book is given to unveil, to reveal Jesus Christ to us. And Revelation is our home for the next several weeks here on A New Beginning. We hope you can be with us just as often as possible. But you can dig even deeper into this final book of the Bible by way of a new book Pastor Greg has just released. Uh, tell us about this new resource, Pastor Greg. Yeah, I think far too often when we think of Revelation, we we think it's ominous and horrible. And yes, there are some very heavy-duty events described in this book, but it is a book that reveals Jesus Christ to us. It's a book that is filled with promises. That's why we called it Revelation, a book of promises. This is a book you would leave out on a coffee table or by your nightstand, a book that is over 400 pages long. But understand, it's a very accessible book. The way that I wrote it, I did so in a way that you can understand what the Bible teaches on the end times, because I know you have an interest in these things. But but I want to help you know how it applies to you. There's not a lot of theological verbiage that will confuse you. Everything is in down-to-earth terminology that you will understand, and it will show you how all of these great events that are in our future apply to you in day-to-day living. I think you're going to love this new resource from Harvest Ministries that we're simply calling Revelation, a book of promises. Yeah, I think you're right. And we're making this new book available to thank you for your investment in the work we do here each day. It's an investment in changed lives for eternity. So send that investment today to A New Beginning, Box 4000, Riverside, California, 92514. Or call us at 1-800-821-3300. We can take your call anytime. That's 1-800-821-3300. Or go online to harvest.org. 
And don't forget to get involved in our large upcoming evangelistic event October 3rd called SoCal Harvest. It takes place live at Angel Stadium in Southern California. Pastor Greg welcomes Phil Wickham and for King and Country, and of course will bring an important gospel message. Obviously, if you're in the area, be sure to attend and bring someone who needs to meet the Lord. But no matter where you live, you can invite a friend to watch online along with you at harvest.org slash SoCal. That's also where you'll find full details on SoCal Harvest, again coming up October 3rd. Next time, more insight on those believers who are martyred during the Great Tribulation and how much heaven knows about what's happening here on earth. Join us here on A New Beginning with pastor and Bible teacher, Greg Laurie. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to this podcast. To learn more about Harvest Ministries, follow this show and consider supporting it. Just go to harvest.org. And to find out how to know God personally, go to harvest.org and click on Know God.